Welcome to OpenBox. OpenBox aims at bringing an easier understanding of open problems that helps in finding solutions for such problems. For the set purpose, I interview researchers, practitioners who have published works on open problems in a variety of areas in artificial intelligence and machine learning to collect a simplified understanding of these open problems. These are published as part of a podcast series. My name is Sundar. I am an ethics and risk professional and an AI ethics researcher. I am the host of the podcast. Ideas emerge when curiosity meets clarity. Here we go with open box to bring clarity to the curious minds to who are looking to solve real world problems. This project is done in collaboration with For Humanity. For Humanity is a 501 non-profit organization dedicated to minimizing the downside risks of AI and autonomous systems. For Humanity develops criteria for independent audit of AI system. If you want to know more, visit forhumanity.center. Today, we have with us Paul. Paul is a PhD student at Barcelona Neural Network Center as part of Technical University of Catalonia. He is working on the use of ML to solve problems in communication networks. He is also interested in exploring intersection of domains to solve problems. As part of his passion, he also does summarization of research papers to make it easier for people to read. I'm glad to be having conversation with him. We're going to be covering a paper titled Towards Real-Time Routing Optimization with Deep Reinforcement Learning and the Open Challenges in it, which got published recently. We are speaking with Paul and this is part two of the podcast. We are discussing about Towards Real-Time Routing Optimization with Deep Reinforcement Learning Open Challenges paper. And uh, Paul is sharing his insight in the first part. If you've not listened to, I would recommend that you listen to that first part. In the first part, he's actually speaking about uh, two specific issues. One is generalization where the, the reinforcement learning is trained on uh, synthetic data and the real world data is not really represented in such synthetic training that may have issues. And he's saying that as an ch open challenge, he, given that uh, the applications are so scarce and the data availability is scarce, it has uh, the other dimension of ethical issues where it could be discriminating certain technologies that are used by people, specifically if people are using technology which is a little outdated or older versions of even Android or iOS. He also mentioned about another issue, which is definition of action space, where he mentioned about why it is necessary to define the path and the extent to which the agent will be able to take actions in those action paths. There are, there are issues that he highlighted in a communication network setting where one needs to be extremely careful about the threats and risks arising out of it. And hence the training before it is deployed need to be so consistent to see the error rates are extremely low. We also spoke about potential cyber risks that could be there in the action path for the agent and the need for understanding or having a cyber threat intelligence integrated in this process is something that we covered. Today, we're going to be speaking about a couple of more open issues and uh, Paul, let's continue. And why don't we speak about the next set of open issues, specifically the training time and cost. Okay. 
So, yeah, the, the training time and cost in the context of communication networks and deep reinforcement learning. What this means is that training ML model in general, it requires some time, so it's not immediate. And sometimes it can take a couple of hours, even a couple of days, depending on the hardware budget you have. So th this is a challenge because in real world scenarios, what you what you want is your, to train your DRL agent fast and deploy it. But it's even more critical when you have real-time applications. Because if there is if you train a DRL engine in one particular environment and this environment changes, so for example, going back to the ambulance scenario, you train the model to plan the ambulance paths in a city when it's sunny. So if suddenly it rains, the environment changes. So what, what you cannot do is stop your DRL agent and say, okay, let me give me one hour or two, I'm going to try the agent and then I deploy it again. So this is highly related to the generalization challenge. And yeah, you, you need to keep in mind this, that training is expensive and also the, the, the cost of once the agent is trained, the cost of deploying it and of finding a solution. It's also critical in applications that require sub-second operation. And this in communication networks, it's very critical, sub-second operation, because the information travels very, very fast and you need to perform actions in the minimum amount of time possible. Understand. So is this true that the, these kind of optimization exercises are extremely data intensive? Yeah, yeah, it's very, very data intensive and the more complex is the problem, the more challenging it is to train, the more data you need and everything scales like almost exponentially. Yeah, so in with this, when you actually spoke about training time and cost, this would also differ from service provider to service provider, right? Yeah. Let's say two service providers applying reinforcement learning for the same problem may have different outcomes and may lead to different kind of impact for people using those services in the communication network, right? Is that a... Yeah, yeah, yeah so, totally. Yeah, so there's not going to be very, very consistent kind of a signal here. So, and do people normally disclose in terms of what kind of reinforcement learning that they're applying and how it may impact from a, from a customer standpoint or a user standpoint? From, well, usually what people do at least in their research field is they present the algorithm, they present the data set, but when the when you move to the real world application, everything is a bit more different because there is reality. So you cannot just say, I used all this data set and here it is because you can violate the privacy. So yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I understand. Not just from a disclosure of confidential information perspective. That's not the point that I was coming to. The point that I was actually thinking aloud is that, is there a mechanism to disclose that this is the metrics at which this particular optimization is done and these are the impacts that it may have in a general statement so that people are able to associate with them in terms of how it impacts how they using a communication network may have an impact so very very simply put let's say if two people are, are trying to make a communication or send a critical message 
right? With from using two different service providers, and mm-hmm. they are in a crisis. The impact may be different depending on how the RL was trained in practical setting, right? So that's the point that I wanted to actually bring out. So so that people are able to relate to the impact portion that we're actually speaking about. Fine. Let's actually get to the last point that you had on the open issues, where you were speaking about yeah. performance bounds. Okay. So yeah, the the terminology of performance bounds. It's a bit broad, and what I, I mean by performance bounds is that when the DRL agent is trained, you would like to know how fast it's going to be when given a problem, how fast it's going to be to solve this problem or to optimize for this problem. And this, you just, you are not interested in just how fast it is, but also how certain is your DRL agent of the actions he took when optimizing this this problem. So traditional solutions, they are based on mathematical solvers, for example, integral linear programming or constraint programming. And these, these solvers, they offer some confidence bounds in the performance, but in the reinforcement learning, it's, it's a bit more challenging to, to do this. Yeah, so because the environment is very dynamic and the RL agent is one day responding to that environment based on stimuli that he gets or the, the inference that he, the perception that he gets and the actions are made. The only control point that you have is to deal with what is the the reward that the RL agent gets, right? So in, in that particular scenario, what you're basically saying is it is very difficult to say at what performance level is acceptable, at what performance level it is not acceptable because it is it is only seen at an instance basis, not as a sequence. At an overall sequence level, you may not be able to measure whether it is within the required performance bounds. Can we say that this is more like need for benchmarks? Yes, yes, but also you can't base everything on the reward because the, the the scale of the problem it can lead you to higher rewards, but it doesn't really mean that it's the agent is better. Solves so, the problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's also a matter of scale. I understand. Perfect. Super. I think both points have brought in very interesting nuances to it, both in terms of when you are speaking about the issue of training time and cost and uh, how different service providers may have a different application, thereby it may have an impact for the users and the performance bound, which is a typical constraint, defining what performances are acceptable, not acceptable, except for those cases where the agent is uh, getting penalized for extreme actions how the reward is defined as the case may be. We, just one other point that I thought we could actually cover this in this context is that given all these open issues, right, is is the emerging technology like federated learning, are, are they going to be helpful in addressing some of the open issues that you're speaking about? Yeah, I think the emerging technologies are going to to be helpful, but still there are some problems that they need maybe the need of other traditional methods. So uh, lately in the literature, there is a lot of intersections of two fields, for example, combining reinforcement learning with some traditional solvers just to to cover the issues or or to solve some issues that reinforcement learning may have. So I think this is kind of the trend 
that I might expect to, to see in the next years. One last question to you is that how much of expert knowledge is required in dealing with a subject like network, communication networks and reinforcement learning? Well, it is tricky because you require expert knowledge from two fields, which is the machine learning field, which you need to, to know the basics, but the most difficult is the domain knowledge field, which is the communication networks knowledge, and it's a bit more uh, difficult to, to, to get because unless you really work with the network itself, it's difficult to get some insights how the, the dynamics of this network works. So yeah, these are like two, two, two branches. Perfect. I think I've, I've always believed that learnings from one domain can be replicated and applied in another domain to a certain extent and thereby trying to solve a large set of problems and Openbox was started with that particular initiative. I'm hopeful that somewhere, somehow, some of the open issues that we are speaking about today will also get resolved with the broader knowledge base that's there with people across the globe. Paul, I really want to thank you for joining this podcast and then sharing your interesting insights, specifically bringing in examples um, which are relatable and real world. Thank you for sharing the open issues and I'm glad that you were here. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks again. It was a pleasure for me to be here and I really enjoyed this time. Thank you. Mm-hmm.